Hello, listeners. It's Philip here. I'm with my cousin Mark and my brother Peter. Um, the first major tournament of clay court season has just finished, and uh, you know, nobody, I bet nobody had in their brackets Lajovic <laughs> versus Fognini in the finals. Uh, my explanation for it is uh, it's just another effect of global warming. Um, I mean, there were disasters this week. <laughs> such as uh, a 13th century cathedral burning just five hours away. Um, and yeah, uh, there's one other explanation, which is uh, Fabio Fognini, the winner. He's just an incredibly talented player, and uh, he just finally put it all together this week. Um, and Mark and Peter, I'm asking you guys... Um, do you guys have just this hidden talent that you just think on your day you could beat anyone at? Yeah. I mean, I've often thought that about golf until I actually get to the golf course. But as I'm driving <laughs> to the golf course, I always feel in my head that I'm going to hit the ball further than anybody else. But that, but then reality sets in. How, how, how far do you hit the ball? On the mini golf course, at least twenty yards. At least, <laughs> at least twenty yards. I mean, with some with a tailwind, but but in reality, actually, there's there's two things. Number one, I am fully convinced that I can eat a whole bag of grapes that I've said I'm only going to eat one or two of before I actually get to the checkout line. And I, I, I dare anybody in the grocery store to take me on in that competition. Yeah, you, you'll full. you'll pay like two dollars less if you do that. No, but I think I could down the whole thing. So oh, yeah. I think I could go. I think I could. I think I can knock five bucks off my grape juice. Yeah, that's a great way to what save if, money. What about, about seeded grapes? Mm. <laughs> no, no, I, I would. I, I'd lose in the in the qualifiers for that. Yeah, yeah. My 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 best grape uh, surface is champagne grapes. Um. Yeah, Peter. What about you? So I, first of all, I um can't let your intro slide i have a high horse to hop on it wasn't global warming it was climate change get your <laughs> get your jargon straight um these natural disasters are not necessarily because it's warming it's because there's climate that's changing anyway okay um, enough nerddom what's your uh, what's your hidden, hidden talent and I, I think that fognini would take offense to that explanation as well <laughs> as somebody who is a is yeah a fiery drives. guy. So, so I, I have two more points to make. Um, <laughs> and I hope not to be rudely interrupted. The second point is that um, the the favorites in Monte Carlo, Nadal and Djokovic, both have very strong ties to, to France. Um, and uh, I guess Djokovic is his is obvious like you could see from yeah. last year's uh wimbledon victory how they partied for him and nadal has won uh 11 french opens and with the notre dame uh cathedral burning both of them just their hearts weren't in it anymore yeah and, they but, they had to fight back but, tears on every serve well also because i think yeah. both of them were planning to worship there tonight uh for easter you know the sunday uh, Sunday evening mass. Do you so think, think they were among the billionaires who donated? Are they part of them? Do you think they, they were, were? Yeah, you know. 
the French billionaires who I think, their dick measuring contest to like donate the most to Notre Dame. <laughs> Guys, I, well, I, I think I, that segues into hidden talents. <laughs> I have a third point before I get to my hidden talents. Okay. My third point is that um, <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended on <laughs> hidden talent. Yeah, I feel like given the dolls, um, like it wasn't that much of a shock that Fagnini made the semis. And given the Dolls' affliction, it wasn't a big shock that he made the finals. And because it was Lajevic against him in the finals, it wasn't a big shock that he beat Lajevic. But the big shock here is that Lajevic made the finals. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was the, watching uh, when uh, he was down 5-1 in the first set to Medvedev. And he, it looked like Medvedev was going to cruise. Yeah. And so then, how did he get there? That's the question. And I also think it might be related to Notre Dame. Um, he may have taken credit in the locker room for the for the burning, and then it just scared the shit out of everybody. <laughs> that that is my explanation. Um, okay. But then then um, so then my two hidden talents just to no, circle back are no, uh, for Phil. Phil, not to Peter, not to geek this out too much. Is this some type of um, Serbian black hand Artzuk Ferdinand assassination <laughs> reference. I mean, are you really? Are you suggesting some type of connect? Isn't isn't he Serbian? Yeah, he I think Serbian. it's more that he's uh he's annoyed that the French stole uh, Djokovic from Serbia. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe, maybe a combination. But I see where you're going with all this. Now, now to your hidden talent. So I actually have a fourth point before this oh, major God. cliffhanger of my <laughs> My fourth point is that um, so this past week I spent like a day um, trying to build a, a spreadsheet of the odds for Grand Slam matches for the last five years and the result, trying to build like a model to predict um, when upsets would happen. And... Hmm. I stopped. Sounds very Malcolm Gladwell would like that. It was a lot more tedious than I than I anticipated, (laughs) so I stopped. But um, going through fifteen hundred Grand Slam results, you really get a feel for who the just standard whipping boys in the first round are, who just never win. Um, One of them is Taro Daniel, (laughs) and another one is Lajevic, and. Man, Lajevic has really sucked in the past, and it's, it's just insane that he got this far. Um, the other insight from that was that Seppi always wins when he's supposed to win and loses when he's supposed to loses, lose. But um, now to my hidden talents. My first is that my mom made me pancakes for breakfast every morning when uh, between the ages of 5 and 18. And as spoiled as I was because of that, um, I can now beat anybody in a pancake eating contest. I'm pretty sure, except um, for Adrian Elman. Nine percent of the population. And Adrian Elman's going to give you give you a run for your money. I would maybe maybe eventually. He, <laughs> he, he's, he's more of a chef than a, uh, yeah, than true, a consumer. True, 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 true. Um, and then my uh, second talent is um tetris i was just so obsessed between four and eleven that i just i just have the gene now it's baked into my dna yeah peter's just uh, he's more willing than most to wait for the stick (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you never want to get the short end of the stick, but I guess if you wait long enough, you get it. He's just got some great patience on him. <laughs> yeah. I uh, mean, before we before we get into the main event here, I, can I, is, um, is it safe to assume that most of your adolescent dates, Peter, involved pancakes and Tetris? <laughs> is that like... We'll go with that, because it assumes I had... You, uh, you know the popcorn I, I trick? I had a vibrant adolescent dating life. <laughs> you, 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 know, you know the popcorn trick of like cutting a hole in the bottom of the popcorn uh, container and like putting it on your lap? <laughs> Peter did that with pancakes okay, when okay. he was Sounds nine. like Amer- American. I thought the movie was American Pod, but maybe it's American Pancake. I got it. Not, I got not it. only can I wait for the stick, I keep my house in order, like very, very... Um, in a very disciplined manner until the stick comes around. Yeah. Yeah. Peter's all about the stick. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, my hidden talent, I, I can beat any, I, I've never met anyone who has a better best time than I do at uh, minesweeper. I've got 30 or 66 seconds in expert, which is unbelievable. Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thoughts yeah. of beast at minesweeper. Yeah, uh, like the the true Minesweeper nuts know how, how good that is. And I got that when I was 12, or either 14 or 12. So, yeah, um, um, if I had stuck to Minesweeper, I would be getting 20 seconds by now. You guys both sound like, given some of your hidden talents, you sound like guys who would lose in the third round of tournaments a lot. Am I, am I reading reading into this a little bit too much? <laughs> Uh, for me, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I would know. I would know because that that was pretty much the final for me. If I made it to the third round, I would just tell everybody I made it to the final and leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So speaking of which, uh, do you think? Uh, do you think either of these players will be a tough out? Uh, through the rest of the clay court season, or do you think they got their uh, their, their case of the Joko out of their system, and and they you know they could pretty much hang up their not that they're tempted to hang up the racket, but for all intents and purposes, they probably should. So I think we need to look at precedent first, and before this, the most random, um, the most random Masters one thousand final in the past five years was in Paris between Jack Sock and Philip <laughs> And um, they both collapsed after they peaked. <laughs> and so I feel like um, there's a non-zero chance that Fognini is the next Jack Sock. Yeah, a major <laughs> correction event is in order. There will be an ice age. <laughs> yes, yes. I think that's 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 solid. That's solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Peter, what are your thoughts about the rest of the clay court season? Are there any people who have been sort of discovered as serious contenders in the next uh, tournaments, or people who can upset the big boys? Um. Let me just think. Not. I don't think so. I feel like. Uh, um, the big boys always bring their next level to the slams. Um, I have one. I have one upset uh, guy who I think will just have a good clay court season. 
is uh, Guido Pella. Uh, yeah, he looked really good in the first set against Nadal. Um, and yeah, he has like, his game is so similar to Rafa's. Like he has the loopy forehand and the laser backhand. And uh, yeah, he's a good player. I've never really seen him play before, but I think his game He's sort of on, and I think he'll have some good results um, in the upcoming tournaments. Interesting. Um, he's been around a while, though. I feel like there are a lot of guys who can look good, but then you see their results, and they're very consistent results. And I feel like this just may have been... Uh, I'll, uh, I'll go on the anti-Guido side, and... Um, and uh, I hope the Jersey Shore cast doesn't take too much offense to that, but <laughs> the uh, I just I just feel like this is just his best result ever, and he's not gonna really follow that. <laughs> yeah, we Peter and I actually had a bet. Um, so when I Nadal, saw it, I saw it. yeah, when Nadal was down four uh, one double break in the first set, I sent a message uh, to our WhatsApp group and. Uh, was asking, is anybody willing to give me one-to-one that Nadal wins this set? And Peter is like, yeah, sure. And uh, Nadal, uh, true to form, uh, prevailed in a tie break. So do you think it's possible, you know, and, and I'm on the fence, I don't know enough, I think Bautista Agut is going to, even though he had a tough draw in this tournament, and, you know, Rafa, as you say, does great against the other Spaniards, I, th- I think he'll be a force to watch. Do you think it's hard for the upstarts to overachieve both in that, let's say, three or four tournament hardcourt swing, and then this four, these four pretty large tournaments leading up to the French Open? So I guess specifically I'd be referring to the Canadians. Do you think they have to hit the restart button in terms of their momentum? Do you think that you kind of have to pick a side? Or do you think that there usually is a carryover from the players who do well in uh, in Indian Wells in Miami to, to doing well in these uh, lead-up tournaments to, to Paris? I think it really depends on playing style. Like, there are certain guys, like Isner, like he won Miami last year, but he's just not, his biggest weapon is his serve, which is less of a weapon on clay. Um, but then there are the guys who are multi-surface uh, athletes like... Uh, Sverev and team, uh, they uh, they excel on all surfaces. So I think it's just m- momentum is always good. Yeah, it's because the Canadians didn't, didn't look. I don't even know if um, uh, Dennis played in this tournament, but you know, one might have thought that Felix would have taken out Zverev in the, the first or second round whenever they played. I wonder if they're still if they still feel like hot players or there's kind of because you switch serves. I wonder if they're starting, I don't want to say starting from scratch because their rankings are higher, but in terms of being feared players in the draw, they wouldn't have that same presence that they had. I know, actually, sun, sun, um, sun. I, I watched this Felix, I watched both matches Felix played. Uh, he, uh, he had a really good opening round match against, uh, I forget the Argentine, I forget which Argentine, but Del Bonus or something, or one of the other? No, no, it wasn't Del Bonus. It was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, like a hard fighting Argentine. I forget who, but he, but Felix, like, won. Uh, 
And it was in spite of the fact that he just double faulted at like the worst possible times. Uh, and that's really the virus plaguing his game. Like he was up five. He was serving for the set twice against Isner in Miami in the semifinals. And he double faulted uh, just inexplicably. And it's it's not just like an isolated instance. Like he's been doing this uh, throughout his like basically the entire season. Uh, it's, uh, and also against Zverev, like, uh, he, uh, they were sort of even, like, early in the first set, and then Felix just double faulted, like, on break point, and, uh, and lost his cool, but also in that match, Zverev was, like, on his A game, like, uh, I think Zverev, like, he, uh, he really wanted to win that. And uh, then the next round, Sarev lost to Fognini, and we all saw how good Fognini <laughs> was playing. Uh, and so that match might not be written off to Sarev being a yeah. bitch, although that's like what we were—that's the narrative we had when it happened. True. Um, true. Like I think uh, Sarev was just like outclassing Felix. Uh, he was just like a level more, just smooth and solid. Um, and so there's just a little bit further to go for both of the Canadians, I think, um, to really be contenders against the top guys when they're playing their best. Yeah. Um, way to look at it. And then with uh, uh, Dennis, I think he he didn't have a great clay court season last year either. Um, I think his game style is really bad for clay. It's not because he's slow, it's because he's so inconsistent. And points can last like 20 shots and he's just gonna like hit an error um but uh he also i feel like clay is also starting to benefit the player who can actually hit through the court um it's almost become more of a power surface than it used to be um because guys like team and guys like Fognini who can really just hit a winner even even with this slower surface or, or and same with Zverev or getting really good results. So yeah, maybe, I think there are two types of clay court players. There's like the Robin Soderling type that can just hit it flat and whose ball just gets through the court even on clay. And then the spinny types like uh, Nadal. Yeah. Yeah. Like Medvedev is another one of the flat hitters whose game translates to clay because he's just like a really, really good athlete. And he can like hit through the court no matter how. Yeah, so I mean, the Songa was like that as well. That's why he did well in in Paris a couple times. You know, particularly like on a relatively warm day. Murray was probably a little bit like that as well. He had some good results, and I guess um, Stan, who was not you know big with the loop with his backhand, he kind of pound through it. So yeah, actually, Stan, um, he lost in the second round. Uh, I think that was an interesting result because he won the first set six love. And then lost seven five six three to Marco Cecchinato. Um and I think there's a lot that can be gained from that match, which is uh, Cecchinato had like a really good uh, clay court season last year, and uh, it seems like he's a legit uh, player on the clay. Uh, someone whose name should be uh, who should strike yeah. a little bit more fear in opponents, like when they see him in their section on in clay court events than on other surfaces. Do you yeah. think the scars 
more than ever. I know that Nadal can pretty much sweep the whole clay court season and, and come into Paris fresh as a daisy. In the past, do you think that the big guys and you know and there? I, I don't think you can read into a, a non Grand Slam, you know, loss to a hot player too much. You know, you still go into the next tournament as a favorite, but do you think more than perhaps other other clay court? Um, uh, continuums that these guys have to pace themselves a little bit more just because the good competition is really young and seemingly really fresh or do you think they should try to intimidate the competition in the in the pre-French Open tournaments? Yeah, so with Nadal, I don't think he was uh, going into this tournament um, expecting to take it easy. I think Fognini really just blew him off the court. Um like, especially when you see his press conference after, he was really upset with the way he played. Uh, he says it was the worst match he's played in 14 years on clay. Um, and, yeah, because he... So he's coming back from injury, but there have been a lot of bad matches that Nadal played because he was clearly injured. Uh, this one, he was not injured. He just uh, didn't have any rhythm and was up against just, like, a, yeah. a really, really good opponent. Um, a, a guy who can beat anyone when he's on and who was like more on than yeah. I've ever seen him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Nadal has a history with Fognini. Um, I wonder how much that sort of mental uh, mental aspect played into it because Nadal's worst year ever when he finished the year like number nine in the world, Fognini beat him like four times, including coming back from two love against him in, in the U.S. Open. And so Fognini has real belief against Nadal. Um, I think that you can't read too much into this, but at the same time, um, there is a little to be gleaned. Uh, the fact that Nadal just didn't run train through the draw is, is different from the past few years. And, um, and, I think one of the things it might sort of show is that uh, this year might not be like the previous years where Nadal just crushes through the French Open without losing a set. Like he might have to fight a little more for this one. Yeah. Um, as, fa- as, as fans, does does that actually does it make it more interesting? Does it make it seem less like the French Open's on auto renew? I mean. Obviously, it's great to see him win 21 of 21 sets, but do you like the prospect of him having to sort of, you know, battle through a close fourth round match or quarterfinal match? Will, will it feel like more of a, will it feel more impressive if, if that's in fact the road he has to take? Or should this be the one time where things, you know, that he has to grind it out so hard the rest of the year, the one time that things should come a little more easily? Um. So I'm I mean, looking fans, it up right now. Fans, how do you look at it? Um, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, so Nadal has won Monte Carlo 11 times and the French Open 11 times. And uh, let's see. Uh, he's only won the French Open. He's won the French Open two times when he didn't win Monte Carlo. Um. No, no. Y- yeah, two or three probably. Probably yeah. the first time in, 
And then there was one time Stan. Yeah, so like two thousand nine, he won Monte Carlo, but had to pull out of the French Open. Um, two thousand. Uh, let's see, two thousand thirteen and fourteen. It looks like yeah, thirteen and fourteen. He did not win Monte Carlo, but he did win the French Open. So yeah, two times he didn't win uh, Monte Carlo, but did win the French Open. So yeah, it's. Uh, I think it makes it more interesting. More it does make it more, more interesting for sure. Um, yeah. The only year where he won neither Monte Carlo nor the French Open was 2015. Um, that was the year uh, Stan won the French Open. Yeah, he was he was getting his strength back then. Yeah, and so like uh, the thing is, he's won these events so many times, like in his career, that there just like isn't really enough data for him not winning these <laughs> events to like to know what's real and what's not. Well, I don't, I don't think it's a prerequisite. I mean, let's say he only won two of the four events. He's still, I, I don't know how you guys see it. To me, he would still be the uh, the heavy favorite. I mean, let's say he won Rome and he wins Barcelona and he loses wherever and in Madrid. I would still think there's nobody who would step on court saying that they would have the edge against Nadal in Paris. So in this case... I mean, I've always seen these tournaments as glorified warm-up, and so he just, you know, maybe he can, um, he'll have a little more gas in the tank when he gets to Rome. But it's probably good for him. It probably makes him make a, you know, I guess that would be my next question. Are there any adjustments that you feel like are necessary or because the blueprint works 99% of the time on clay, don't adjust anything? Um, I think, like, he... Uh... He just wasn't on. Like he was just making a lot of errors on balls that he usually uh, makes that he was just missing. Um, yeah, I think it's just playing more matches. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting um, because he he just he was not on top of his game. And one thing that the clay court uh, events do for him is they really just give him a nice little ranking cushion. So that if he gets 4,000 points on clay, it's just like he's never going to be out of the top four. Um, and But if he... In the world when, where he doesn't win any clay court events, like except for Roland Garros maybe, uh, that's a scary world, and it could happen this year because uh, Madrid, it's uh, faster. It's very close to hard court, just the way it plays. Um, Rome... Uh, I mean, he's won the event a few times, but uh, the last few years he hasn't. Um, and well, he won last year. Oh, yeah, he, he won, won, last, he won year. last year. Um, but he, he lost prior. Basically, so Monte tough. Carlo and Barcelona. It, it'll be really interesting. If he doesn't win Barcelona, uh, then it's going to be time to like uh, think a little bit more. Yeah, so let's talk. maybe let's talk a little Barcelona. What's the draw looking like there? Um, Novak is not in the draw. It's uh, Rafa and Sverev are the one and two seeds. Um, and I'm bringing up the draw right now. Um, Novak's not playing this year. I think he did play last year, but maybe he was just using it to get an extra match. In. I don't. I don't remember if he played last year. 
Yeah, no, I thought he did. I thought he just kept losing last year, and then he kind of got some some mojo in Rome. Yeah, um, this is also the first turn like major tournament where Felix is a seed. He's like the number sixteen seed, and so he's gonna be he's slated to play uh, Nishikori in the round of sixteen. Uh, that'll that'll be interesting. Um, uh, Nadal, he has like a pretty easy draw until the quarters. Like the seed in his section is uh, Pui. But then the quarterfinal uh, would be a potential Sitsi pass match. And then the oh, semis, like, team is in his half. Um, and so, in the world where he plays Sitsi pass team, and then, uh, like, either Sverev or Medvedev or Fognini in the finals, that'll be a really tough uh, test for Nadal. Um, yeah, this is a pretty loaded draw. Yeah, Medvedev and Sverev are supposed to meet each other in the quarterfinals. Uh uh, what what other map matchups stand out? Um, no, but it seems like it seems like a pretty uh, a top ten front uh heavy draw. I mean, if there's four or five players in the top ten playing, that's it's not. I always thought Barcelona was like the ugly stepchild of the clay court run, but it seems like it's not. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah, it's just there. There's so many Masters 1000s per capita in uh, the clay court season. Like, there are like six weeks of clay court, or like seven weeks, and there's one Grand Slam and three Masters 1000s. So it's like these, these 500 and below events are just, yeah, you have to really just love the dirt to play them. <laughs> yeah. One thing that's interesting is Kyrgios isn't playing any of these tournaments, or hasn't so far, which is sort of inexcusable, because his ranking isn't high enough to just, like, take well, weeks he off. Well, he hurt his knee tra- training for Houston. I mean, I-, I think he pulled out of Houston. I guess you have to, you kind of have to decide, do you want to front-end it or back-end it? I mean, with Madrid and and Rome still part of the the menu, I can, I can understand why some of the players, I would understand even if, if the Top Guns took off the first two and just said, "I'm going to play maybe something in Ger- a small one in Germany and then and then Madrid," in that two big warm-up tournaments before a major is, is still a lot of tennis. So I'm not saying in Kyrgios's case, but but in other cases, if 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 some of them did take both of the first two off, I would understand. It's yeah. a lot. I mean, like you said, that's three Masters 1000s before before the French. It's yeah. a lot. And then, unsurprisingly, it seems like Richard Gasquet is back ending it. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Actually, like for the non-clay court specialists, uh, like Federer is probably just going to do Rome and Roland Garros. And yeah, I haven't seen Isner's draw- name in any of these uh, draws. Um, do you think that any of them do a little bit? I mean, like. You kind of have to say, all right, the second that the French Open ends, you hit the grass. Do you think it's conceivable that Fed is training a little bit on grass and maybe maybe Joker hits the grass for a week before he gets back into clay? I mean, given given that both of them would have even higher expectations, do you think, do you think it's conceivable that the Isners, the Andersons, the Raniches, uh, maybe even Joker this week and Fed do a little training on the grass? Or I do you actually think just, yeah, I have no idea. 
But do you that think it makes sense? I, I think maybe the all of those guys except Djokovic, because Djokovic has a real shot at Roland Garros playing on clay. Yeah, I think yeah, Novak wants to win his second French Open. Um, he'd be the only one of Rafa, like the big three, to have the double career Grand Slam if he did that. Um, that would be pretty scary. Yeah, I, I think Fed, Fed is going to play Madrid. That's because I think he, it's. I remember when he was setting his schedule. I think Madrid was in it. I think because it plays fast. Yeah. I don't know about the altitude, but I think it's a tournament that he likes the speed at which it plays. So I think that's the first, and then maybe he'll he'll stick a match or two in at Rome. Yeah, Madrid is the master is the clay event that Nadal has won the fewest times um, because it just plays yeah it plays faster. So uh, who do you th- who sh- who should be worried? So as an example, I would say not not that we expected him to win Grand Slams, but he probably thought at least he'd maintained his spot in the top eight. Silich hasn't looked particularly good so far. Anderson's been okay. Um, uh, who besides maybe Silich and uh, Sitsipas didn't do great, and I don't think he did great in my in Miami nor uh, in in Monte Carlo. Are there players like those two? Maybe even not including those two that you think really need to step it up so they don't don't lose their foothold in, in the higher echelon. Um. Yeah, Chilich was the one I had uh, pinpointed. And then there's also, I guess, Del Potro, who's been injured uh, for like six months now. Um, and I think Anderson's going to drop a lot once his Wimbledon finalist uh, points go off. Um, uh, and also just Dimitrov is... Uh, where is he ranked right now? He's like... Uh, yeah, I was, I, was looking, I was looking him up. He's ranked uh, 43rd right now. And wow. in the next next week, if he doesn't do well in, Bar- in whatever tournament he's playing, um, he'd be ranked uh, 51. Yeah. Yeah, so Dimitrov is the one who's uh, in the most like grave danger of socking. <laughs> Where is Sock? Sock has been injured with like a like a pinky injury or something. No, I'm serious. He has like an injured finger, and he's you like the, you think you think that's he's the 147 that, in the world right now. You think that's the only finger that the uh, his playmates let him use at this point? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, um, I figured nobody nobody listens this far into the podcast anyway. So <laughs> I think it's his opponents that are doing the fingering. Um, <laughs> um, anyways. Um, <laughs> So any anybody in and anybody in I guess uh, uh, Fritz is playing better. I, uh, are you looking for Tiafo to to make some moves to, to have a good? Is is there anybody besides Fritz, may or maybe not even including him? Do you think any Americans will will have some decent uh, results in in these next couple of weeks, or do you think it's just they're already looking ahead to the grass? Um. 
Steve Johnson might have a decent result. Um, Tiafo, he's like so hit or miss. He'll either have an awesome tournament or just like lose in the first round. Um, but he's had some. He seems like a guy that would do well on clay. Um, he's also other than yeah, Isner, Isner. Yeah, probably won't. So yeah, I think Ryan, it's just Fritz and Tiafo. So who, who, are dark, who are your dark horses in uh, in Barcelona? I know that that Peter picked um, Fognini and and you picked uh, and and Phil picked the Serb to make the final. So you guys, you know, between the two of you, like the twins, should you know your predictions <laughs> were, were spot on. Uh, you think you think your hot impro- improbable picking hand will will continue this week? And if so, you know who are your dark horses? I'm going to go with uh, my boy Guido Pella to get to the quarterfinals. He'll play, he's got, he's got sort of a chill draw. He plays Sousa, then Kachanov, then uh, Carreño Busta, uh, and then Team. So it's like not as bad as playing Nadal second round. Peter? So I was looking at the five-week forecasts, <laughs> and it became clear that uh, I was wrong about Shpovlov. He he actually made the semis in Madrid last year, and if he um, if in he the, doesn't do well in the, in the girls' in the draw or the boys' draw in the uh, in the boys' draw, um, and so uh, if he doesn't do well in the coming weeks in in uh, one of these tournaments, he's gonna drop like like five or ten ranking spots, and so I think. Um, and I think his draw is actually pretty good because he has Fognini, who's probably like hung over. <laughs> and um, probably, and, yeah, probably. Like, <laughs> He's in Monte Carlo. <laughs> I think. I think. Do you think Fognini drinks like spritzes? That's the Italian drink. Yeah, probably. Yeah. He's kind of a like. A, he's got like a punk vibe. Yeah. Too. Yeah. What like, do you think might, is his drink of choice? He might drink some like really grotesque tasting like hard alcohol shit. Yeah, like, like licorice taste. I think it's more <laughs> like disgusting tasting than like like he's not a cognac guy. Like, no, 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 no. Like he might he might really like enjoy the really really cheap stuff. Yeah, like, like some uh, some cheap like Eastern European thing that tastes like shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can see him just drinking absinthe. There you go. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, or Dark and Stormies. Um, yeah. Um, well, I think, I think those are some solid predictions. If uh, There's a chance that Felix if, plays Dennis in the quarters. That would be an interesting match. I hope it happens. Uh, if Bautista Good is in this tournament, I, I think he's going to go to the semis, and uh, and I think that Gofan will have a good run if he's in the. I don't have the draw in front of me, but if either of those two guys uh, don't play Rafa in the first two rounds, I think I think they'll uh, they'll make some noise. Yeah. Which two? I think Gofan and uh, and Bautista Good will will make some noise in this in this draw. Okay. Um... Batista Agu isn't in it. Um, so go fan. Go fan. Yeah, he sh- he's good on clay. Um, 
but he has a tough one because he has Sitsipas in the round of 16 and then Rafa in the quarters. No, I think I'll make the quarters. But to me, that would be a good a good result. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm calling an upset in the round of 16. I think, uh, yeah, Dimitrov has a really uh, good chance of dropping far in the rankings. Yeah, that Dimitrov Sverev like clash because Sverev needs to def- has a lot of points to defend on clay as well, so he's not just going to bend over. Um, well, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean for Dimitrov maybe. <laughs> um, and is is Medvedev in the draw? Um, yeah, Medvedev is yeah slated to face the winner of Sverev versus Dimitrov. Yeah, call, Medvedev has very few points to defend. The there is a, like, if he does very well in one of the next two tournaments, he could be top 10 by Roland Garros. Yeah. Or after Roland Garros. He deserves it. He deserves it. He can play. I mean, you know, the, the big guns can take him three out of five because they wear him out after a couple sets, but two out of three, he'll be as tough as, just like Katsunov. Those guys, if they're on, they're as tough as anybody in two out of three. Just because it, I don't think it gives the stars enough time to uh, to to fully get in their head and and to sort of switch gears. So if you know they can get up six four three one, even if things get tense, they've they've got enough of a lead. But three out of five, you know, I think that's that's the great, um, you know, that that's the great margin that that the stars take advantage of. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I guess, like, one thing we were discussing earlier is that all these random winners in Masters 1000 seem just sort of the precursor to a new era in tennis. Um, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if uh, one of these young guys can knock off a big three player in a Grand Slam. Um, that'll really be the next the next phase of everything like if if medvedev can beat djokovic in roland garros that uh that make that'll make a much louder statement than him beating him in uh, monte carlo yeah um no i think you're right i think it's one thing that's notable is that djokovic has had three bad masters 1000s in a row um, and you wonder if he's just saving it for the slams now, because you watch him play and he's not aggressive at all in the masters 1000s. At least he hasn't been recently. He's just trying to like be a backboard and kind of play relaxed. And, um, he's kind of like a shell of himself. Um, but I think it's more of like, uh, a rope dope in a way. And he's yeah, just I would agree. fine when he needs to be. Um, and same with Nadal and and uh, actually not not as much Nadal, but same with Federer. Who actually maybe not. I feel like with Federer, every tournament he plays, he tries. He just doesn't play that many tournaments. Play that many. Yeah, he got uh, to the finals of, of to, yeah. uh, Indian Wells and then won Miami. Yeah, but uh, but to him that that but he knew that there was like. Uh, you know, he was going to hit the pause button for like a month and a half. So if you don't max those, like, I think you, they know when they have to max out. I, I, I don't think they're fully showing their hands. I think that maybe sometimes they sense they're going to play these same players again 
I feel like Nadal did that with team last year in, in Madrid. They sense that they're going to get these guys again in the quarters, semis, or finals, and, and they don't want to show them all their cards. And so they kind of want to... Uh, yeah, I think I think you said it well. I think I think it's a, it's, it's a lot of rope-a-doping, and, and they're um, not sandbagging it, but they're just... You know, luring these people into thinking they really have a chance when, when deep in their hearts they know that they don't. So I think that, that, that you know, they know where their bread is buttered at this point. So I think there's some of that, but I also think to a certain extent it's like they're very protective of their bodies. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. Do you guys have anything more to add? No, I'm excited for Barcelona this week, though. I think. The draw is playing out a lot more competitively than I would have thought. So I think, you know, let's treat it pretty much as, uh, you know, if it's not Monte Carlo, it's something close. So it's like a ma- it feels like almost a master 750. So it should, should be some good tennis. Yeah. It's one of those, like, Queens. Like, Queens is another stacked 500-point tournament. Um, yeah, it's just because clay court season isn't that long, and same with grass court season. Queens and how oh, they're just like stacked draws. Yeah. Um, so I, the one thing that's kind of frustrating is like, so half the Grand Slams are on hard court and a lot of the Masters 1000s as well are loaded on hard court. Um, how many of them? Like five out of, like six out of nine? Because there's no grass court Masters 1000, right? No, no. No, there's two indoors. So it's right. going to be four, three, and two. Okay. Yeah, four, three, and two. Yeah. It would be, I think it would be more fun if, if, if they evened it out a little more with like, all right, so the majors are on, are on hard court, but more of the Masters 1000s are on clay and grass, and they're sort of spread out throughout the year. Um yeah, it was my it was my theory that they should do the Australia. They should alternate uh, years for hard clay and grass for the Australian um, Open and like the tune ups for it. Yeah. Well, let's 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 table that thought. Maybe we can come up with a better system. Maybe maybe at least do four fourth. You know, three three and two, or at least start uh, maybe four. Yeah, three hard or four hard. Yeah, it seemed like at least three, three, three hard, three clay, you know, one or two grass and one or two indoors. I mean, at least Queen's Club should be a Masters 1000, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, to our loyal listeners, uh, thanks for making it this far. Uh, We know that of the 10 million people who download this only are out 7 million um, finish so congratulations it's like HQ yeah we get our traffic in the beginning yeah so uh, you should just if nothing else pat yourself on the back um, and we'll be back soon